Welcome to Healing Your Families. Are you familiar with the term emotional intelligence? It's, I think Daniel Goleman was the first person to write about it. And it, it really kind of turned things on, their, on the head uh, with, in the world of academia. Before we always thought IQ was the predictor of whether or not you'd get into the best schools, whether or not you'd have a successful career, lead a, a good life. And his research showed that there's another factor that's even more important. And he calls it emotional intelligence. Well, I'm honored to have a special guest today this is Jessica Harper, and she is the founder and owner of Aspen Valley Wellness. Jessica, welcome. Thanks, Emily. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm, I've been impressed with what you've been doing in the, in the field of mental health. And I'm, when I thought of who could talk about emotional intelligence, emotional well-being. I thought of you. So tell us about your journey. What, what, how did you become a therapist? That's such a good question. Um, and it's, it's a story that I, I love sharing with people. Um, so it started a long time ago. So back when I was a teenager, uh, we moved to a little tiny town that I just didn't feel like I fit in very well. And I struggled a lot with depression during the, you know, those first few years that we were there. And to the, the, the point that I really, you know, started wondering why I was here and, and what's the point. And I just, I didn't really want to be around anymore. And my parents noticed that I was really struggling with making friends and school. And so we had a talk about how difficult things were for me. And I agreed to go to a residential treatment center. And I spent this like four months there um, as a teenager. And I, it was like one of the hardest things I've ever done, um, but it really turned my life around and I loved it. And that really is what set me on the trajectory to be a therapist. I really wanted to give back um, to other people that were struggling and their families in the same way that, that I received help. I wanted to be able to provide it. So that's how I decided what I was going to do and just kind of went full steam ahead from there. I love that. You know, you've been there, you've experienced it. So to me, that would make you even more effective. The other thing that's impressed me about you is you don't have just one modality. I've had several conversations where you've talked about new new techniques you're trying. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. After being a therapist for, I don't know, probably 10, 10 12 years, um, I started real, like just realized like it doesn't work for everybody. I worked a lot in substance abuse treatment and there are really high recidivism rates um, so people would just progress to a certain point and then they just couldn't, couldn't get past whatever the wall was that they had, that they had. And, um, kind of through my professional, um, 
organizations and uh, relationships, I discovered something called neurofeedback. And uh, it, that's really been a game changer for my practice. So neurofeedback is basically brain training. It uh, helps your brain learn how to function more optimally. And it is non-invasive. We don't put anything in, you know, whoever we're working with. It's, there's no medication. There's no side effects. And it, it makes all the difference in the world for so many people that I work with. So that's just one of the, the things that we've added um, that I've discovered in my practice. Uh, also, I've discovered audiovisual entrainment and cranial electrical stimulation, which also helps the brain shift out of one state into another. So it's kind of similar to neurofeedback, um, but it uses uh, flashing lights and sounds in the ears to force um, a state change where neurofeedback, your brain is learning by itself how to make changes. But the combination of the two really helps work with that neuroplasticity so that people can get to that better, that better place in life than where they are. Um, I've also integrated a lot of um, other approaches, like really holistic uh, looking at um, how exercise affects mental health and how what we eat um, affects our well-being. So part of my practice, I've brought in a nurse practitioner that does a lot of lab work and um, helps people balance um, hormones and will do med management and those kinds of things. Um, we also have a certified integrative nutritionist that helps people understand um, what is ideal for their body, what their bodies need and to eat based on what, how they feel. So to eat the food that their body loves. Um, and that makes a big difference with mental health struggles as well. You know, we, we are whole human beings, you know, body, mind, emotions, and we forget that what we eat or don't eat can affect our moods. Yeah. So I love the way you have this, this big picture. You've stepped out, you're looking at everything. And to me, that would be much more effective. So tell me what you've learned about emotional intelligence in your practice. So it's, I, I find like it's, it's an integral part of um, helping people make those changes. And, you know, it's, it's uh, kind of been broken down into five components. Um, and really in therapy, we kind of help people recognize what those components are, how they fit in to their, their life. So, you know, improving their ability to be good parents or in their employment to be a better supervisor, a better employee, or even at school, like how to be a better um, student or teacher and socially how to, how to be better in that way. But the, the components um, are self-awareness, uh, which is basically like understanding what your emotions are, what your strengths are, weaknesses, what drives you, what are your values and your goals, and how do those impact other people? Um, Self-regulation, that's definitely a big one when it comes to therapy and one that uh, like neurofeedback and some of the other treatments that we do help with that ability to self-regulate. And that's really um, 
managing the emotional response that, that we have to different things. So you have to be able to recognize I'm having a big response for whatever the situation is, and then being able to adjust that emotional response so that it's in line with where it should be. Um, and so, like I said, that's a pretty big one in therapy. Um, also looking at motivation. So what um, drives somebody to achieve? Um, so as a parent, especially, it's important to understand what motivates your, your child so that you can work with them in the way that's most helpful for them. And empathy. So really being able to understand what somebody else is feeling, kind of recognizing how what is happening in their life is affecting them, what we do affects them, um, but it, it helps us be able to um, navigate relationships better. And the, the last one is social skills. So really understanding socially um, what some of the rules are and helping uh, people be able to move um, in the right direction, whether it's, you know, motivating people to make changes or how to be persuasive in a helpful way, um, and networking, building, just building relationships around us. You know, I love those five components and I'm thinking of each one. Well, the self-awareness is pretty evident. We need, well, first of all, a lot of people feel like emotions are bad and they try to stifle them or deny them. And, you know, you hear someone shouting, I'm not angry. And so that's huge. And then, yeah. of course, the regulating them, you know, losing your cool on the job can get you fired. Yeah. 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 Those are, are really challenging. Um and one of the things that I've learned is that when people argue with themselves or deny the emotions that they're experiencing, it tends to amplify them. So when we say I'm, I'm not angry or um, I, I'm not anxious or I don't want to be anxious, um, I shouldn't be, you know, whatever those we're pushing against it. And um, it makes it actually worse. And when we can teach people to learn how to accept all of our emotions, like they're none of none of the emotions are bad. They all serve a purpose. Um, and recognizing it's okay that I'm feeling upset or you know sad, then it can dial down the emotion a little bit instead of amplifying it. Isn't that ironic? But it's true. We're much better off just being honest. And especially, you know, where anger, I've heard that anger can be a secondary emotion. Maybe what we're really feeling is insecure or jealous. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's also, you know, a big part of, you know, expanding that emotional intelligence is, you know, really understanding the nuanceical differences um, of our emotional experience. So helping people understand uh, the emotional vocabulary that goes with what it is that they're experiencing. So they can say, I might be angry, but yeah, I'm feeling jealous or I'm feeling helpless that I can't change whatever the situation is. So they can more effectively understand where they can um, make change. And it seems to me this understanding would lead into 
being better able to regulate it. If you understand it and know what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and though you may, you know, get fired by losing your temper at work, when you're the parent of young children, you really run the risk of doing long-term harm to your child if you don't regulate your emotions. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it damages the relationship that you have with your child that, with that inability to manage emotions in the way that you're wanting. Yeah. But like a big part of that is understanding why. Like, why am I having this reaction? So that's part of that self-awareness, you know, being able to slow down in the moment, the coping skills, you know, taking some deep breaths, leaving the situation for a minute so I can slow everything down and ask myself, why am I reacting to this in that way? And um, that's when you can be able to start problem solving um, so that you can be more present, especially with your children and, and have that emotional regulation ability. That's huge. Now, doesn't this also tie in with the motivation? So many parents will tend to maybe have dreams for their child. And my child is going to become a doctor and they're not, and is this, is this related to it? Not understanding what motivates the child. Yeah, absolutely. When, when the parents can keep that in check, like what's motivating me, um, then I can put that to the side and really see my child in a different way, because whatever it is that I want for my child, isn't going to be their world, but what it is that they want. And, you know, I like to also bring in the five love languages um, when we're looking at emotional intelligence, because it's learning how to connect with somebody on their level. So I might receive love in a way that's different than my son receives love. And we can totally miss each other if I'm trying to give him words of affirmation, like tell him what a great job he's doing. And that's not really what he needs. He needs a high five or a pat on the back or, you know, something like that. And um, I, if I'm not aware of how I'm interacting and how he needs to be interacted with, what motivates him to do better? Um, I mean, that makes a huge difference with relationships. You know, I always encourage parents to focus on what is in the best interest of their child. And that can be so easily confused. And sometimes parents have to be honest and say, okay, is this really what's best for my child or is this what's best for me? Yeah. Yeah. Those are some of those really hard questions that require that ability to be honest, you know, with ourselves as, as parents. And yeah, that can be really hard. And then to be able to recognize, okay, this is mine. This is what I want for my child. And it isn't really what's best for them. Put my stuff aside, engage in that self-soothing so I can handle whatever disappointment or whatever comes up with that recognition that I need to let them do what's better for them. And, and to me, that, that requires a lot of emotional intelligence of accepting supporting your child in the, the career of their choice <laughs> rather than yeah. your choice. <laughs> yeah, I really feel like the foundation um, of emotional intelligence is that self-awareness 
because it, it just influences all of the other areas. Yes, it would be the foundation. It would start there. Now, but what about the empathy? And that kind of ties in with understanding, understanding your child's love language, understanding. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So being, being able to um, put, basically put yourself in their shoes and understand where they're coming from, how things are affecting them. Um, and, and being able to see the whole picture uh, helps with having that empathy for others. So asking, you know, questions in ways that are easy for somebody to respond to, um, trying to withhold the judgments. So a lot of like yes and no questions, um, a lot of times people can feel the agenda behind those. Um, so the self-awareness again, kind of recognizing, am I trying to lead the conversation, you know, to get something out of my kid, or am I just opening the door so they can be free to let me know, uh, how they're doing or what's going on. So like one of the things with a lot of parents is they'll ask the question, like, how is school today? Uh, which is not the best question because it's a, it's a, a one word answer, right? My daughter, she's 14. If I ask her, how was school today? I get the response of it was fine. You know, it was good. What did you do? Nothing, you know, kind of stuff. But if you ask more open, those open-ended questions, kind of from their perspective, thinking about what was important, you know, as a teenager to me, some of those things don't ever change. The social interactions and social aspects of, of growing up are really important to kids. The, the modalities are different, right? So teenagers today are on their, like there weren't electronics like there are today when I was a kid. But I know that my daughter is on social media and TikTok and all of that. So engaging in a way that is meaningful to her um, and keeping that in mind as I'm asking questions will help me have more of that empathy for her because I'll get a better picture if I'm approaching it from that direction. You know, I think it's really essential for parents to carve out a time every day that they're able to just have that one-to-one -one conversation and just focus, you know, and, and put their focus on the child. Yeah, our lives are so busy. It's easy, easy to get wrapped up in all of the day-to-day -day things and can take some of that, again, going back to that, that self-awareness, you know, to, to notice when there's too much going on and I'm missing connecting with my, my child. So I need to slow down, take a breather. Yeah. And make those meaningful connections. You know, my, my observation when I was a school teacher is that a lot of our young people have so much scheduled you know, they have activities at school and then they also play sports or do dance or, you know, that maybe sometimes it's good just to slow down a bit. Yeah. yeah it's right. important to, to take time for just being. It is. It is. Okay. Now I, <laughs> please say the fifth component. I'm remembering <laughs> self-awareness. Yeah. The, the last one is social skill. Social skill. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so being able to engage with people and understand how other people work so that you can uh, manage relationships in the directions that are most meaningful for people. Well, that makes school easier if they know how to interact with their peers in healthy ways. And yeah. then when they're adults, I've heard that people are, are not fired because they can't do the work. It's because they have trouble getting along with either their supervisor or their coworkers. Yeah, yep. Yep, absolutely. And that makes such a big difference in those adult relationships. Um, being able, using all of these, um, these skills really help with that social aspect. One of the things that, that's important in the social realm um, is you know, persuasiveness. And a lot of times it's, when I start talking about this with some people, I'll get the response of like, well, that's manipulation. <laughs> and yes, it is. Manipulation has like a very negative connotation because we always hear it from a, you know, a parenting standpoint or a therapy standpoint of the, the intention is negative. Um, but there's a lot of times where, especially as a parent, I know what it is that that my child needs to do, right? Like there's homework that needs to be done. How can I have influence on my child in a positive way to get that outcome? And, you know, that's a big part of persuasion is knowing how to essentially manipulate in a positive way, if that makes sense. It does. To me, it also sounds like leadership. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's leadership, especially in the adult world, right? When you get into um, employment and, and management of people, it is absolutely a leadership style. And if your child is with a group of peers and they're seriously considering doing something that could be harmful or illegal, wouldn't you want your child to be persuasive and let's find something better to do? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, part of the, the leadership skill is, again, going back to that self-awareness, how am I um, interacting with people and being able to have that empathy? Um, if I'm asking somebody to stop or to change, or, you know, if we're getting into some hot water, how can I provide this guidance in a way that is thoughtful and supportive and, and helpful and not in a negative way. I so they really all flow together quite they nicely. Do. They do, okay. So there's self-awareness. <laughs> I don't know why I'm <laughs> saying that. <laughs> that is, it's, it's, a, it's a lot to remember. I have a little cheat sheet in front of me. <laughs> So there's self-awareness, self-regulation, and I really feel like, like those two just go hand in hand because the self-awareness helps with the self-regulation. If we don't understand what um, is driving us or that we're having bad reactions, we can't engage in self-regulation. So those two go together pretty well, self-awareness, self-regulation, and then motivation, of what drives us or drives somebody to achieve things or to do things differently, empathy, and then social skills. I love that. Now, in his book, Daniel Goleman made the statement, 
that the best advantage for children, you know, he, he wrote some programs that could be used in schools to help children learn emotional intelligence, but he's yeah. the best advantage is to be raised by emotionally intelligent parents. Can you comment on that? Yeah, absolutely. Because when, when children are raised by emotionally intelligent parents, they're learning through modeling. Parents are modeling for their children um, how to self-regulate, especially if they're good at verbally explaining what the process is, what's going on. And so parents can really help increase that um, emotional intelligence in their children by talking essentially out loud. Like I'm noticing that I'm feeling really frustrated because we have 10 minutes before we need to leave the house and, and you know, Julie is still eating breakfast and John doesn't have his shoes on and I'm afraid that I'm gonna be late. So I need to calm down, take some breaths. So kind of like stepping through what the whole process is like. So kids learn that it's, it's okay to have all of these emotions. There doesn't have to be a big reaction to it. It can just be, I'm talking myself through it and everything will be okay. And then you're guiding the children in the process. And emotionally intelligent parents will take time as they're reading books or watching movies to help children understand what the other characters are experiencing. They'll ask questions like, what do you think that was like for Johnny when you know, his teacher told him he got an A in class or, you know, just so they can start thinking about other people's perspectives and what that would be like for them. And it teaches the, those social skills as well. They kind of like, like I keep saying, they all just go together very well. So when it becomes an emotionally intelligent parent raising a child, they really are taught those skills um, all of the time at home. Well, I, I always say that the most effective teacher for your children is your example. Absolutely. Yeah, they're watching us all the time. <laughs> they really do. So yeah. Jessica, I know you're on LinkedIn. If someone just searched for Jessica Harper, they'd come up on your page and your page has your contact information. What's, what's another way? I, you have some information on your website that would be helpful for parents. Yeah. Yeah, they, my LinkedIn, um, my, my uh, office is called Aspen Valley Wellness, and they can just search that or go directly to our website, which is aspen-wellness.org. And we have a whole lot of information on there about different struggles that kids have and parents have and, and all the different modalities that we work with. So there's a lot of answers that can be found just by reading through some of the material that we have. You know, and a lot of parents don't know about biofeedback. Yeah. I, I, I love the way you just keep looking for what's, what's effective. What's an even, you know, that, like you said, it, there isn't what, something that works for everyone. So you. Yeah. Kind of mix and match and find what's going to work best for whoever's in front of us. <laughs> and that, you know, honestly, that's the same way it is as, as a parent, right? Like our, our children are all different and it's interesting how different they can actually be. And so knowing that there are all of these different modalities 
for interventions with children as well can be helpful because some, some kids react really well to just talking things out and some kids don't. And so they need to have other, other ways of engaging like through, you know, SAM tray therapy can be very helpful or art therapy, which are two different things that we do as well as the neurofeedback and biofeedback and all of those, those different things. So parents need to consider themselves as therapists. They need to just, you know, first of all, they're in tune with their child, but they're also trying, if this didn't work, okay, then let's try this. Absolutely. Yeah. And mix and match, find, find what works because it isn't a, a one size fits all. Yeah. What worked beautifully with your oldest child may not be effective at all for his younger sibling. Yep, absolutely. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. I loved what you had to share and recommend parents use her website as a resource. I am excited to be focusing more on emotional intelligence this month. So join us again next week. And until then, love yourself, love your family, and let's make the world a better place by strengthening families. This is Emily Penrod at healingyourfamilies.com.